Hello, Dragon Tamers, and welcome back to another episode of Enter the Dragonair's Den. As always, I am Taco Dog Eight, joined by my wonderful co-host Jet Force Gemini. How's your Tuesday going? It's going great. I got some tacos in, and we got a special treat for all of you. Fresh off their amazing championship run at the Iron Tier, we have the Brave Nerds guest. We have Brave Nerds PVP Captain Amazed and Confused, and his teammate Custom Approach. How's it going, everybody? Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Alrighty, so welcome to, I guess, our up-and-coming podcast. <laughs> and if you're if you're new around here, welcome. We are a Pokemon Go PvP podcast that likes to give our wrap-ups and previews for the Silph Arena Factions PvP. I know that there's a better way of saying that, but that's how I've just been saying it. <laughs> Going from the lowest tier of Open to the middling tier bronze there is silver and above but we don't cover those here so we're going to go ahead and jump right into the niantic slash self pvp news and i guess the biggest bombshell that dropped is a couple of hours ago or i think it was yesterday i can't remember the metas finally dropped and i'm super excited to dive into those and see that the greatest pokemon of all time flygon is allowed in the great league again our, our poking and prodding with with the sticks finally paid off. You, you didn't have to flinch every time you saw another meta and saw that Flygon was in one way or another banned. Well, it's allowed in one, and I'm happy about that. And the other one, I believe it's the Ember Field. The dragons are not allowed, which means Flygon is banned. Because I guess they're not they're not allowing it in two metas, which I think is dumb. But whatever. Free my boy Flygon. Got a couple spots to play in. This is true. So... Um, amazed, amazed, uh, and custom. What are you guys' thoughts on the metas that dropped? If you don't, if you've uh, had a chance to take a look at them. Well, I know a lot of the guys on the team are thrilled that Frostlass won't be as nearly as common this time around. Uh, I think after Sorceress and Primeval, we were all sick of Frostlass. You honestly are not wrong about that, because Frostlass, in my opinion, is a very broken Pokemon but a lot of people really enjoy using Frostlast. And then there's the fact that uh, Surfetched, our team mascot, will be allowed in Ember, so we're all looking forward to using that. That is that is also a very interesting thing. So I gotta ask you guys, since Surfetched is y'all's mascot, what do you guys like to run on Surfetched? Uh, depends on the meta. Um, I'm definitely a Brave Bird uh, fan of it in Ultra League, I think. You definitely want to have Brave Bird, and obviously Leaf Blade's a broken move, so you always want to carry that. Right. But I've yeah, run every. I run every bluff. I bluff the Brave Bird I, if I'm running it. If I'm running Surfetch, I never bring Brave Bird. Oh. oh. That's, well, that's now I'll remember spicy. that. <laughs> I'll remember that. I'll remember that when we queue up next. Usually, when when I try to run Surfetch, I do have two built. One is with Leaf Blade, and the other one is with close combat and brave bird because go big or go home <laughs> someone's gonna die nine times out of ten it's my surf edge sadly <laughs> but kind of diving in i'm really excited to see that they've kind of moved up to their restricted list they moved their restricted list around they have an s tier and then they have an a tier and it's kind of the same or a little bit of the same Pokemon that are S tier that have kind of been on the on the original restricted list, 
and then they took the A restricted list and they have like your your Charm Tails, your Wigglytuff, Venusaur. And unfortunately, Lantern was so broken last cycle that they put it on the A restricted list. Yeah, I definitely like the move to expand the restricted lists. Uh, I think it's going to force people to be a, a little bit more creative. Um, I know as an Ultra League player, uh, I'm already trying to figure out what my list to the best of my ability. Gotcha, gotcha. I think one of the, I think my biggest issue with what they've done though is I think there's too many Pokemon in the S restricted list where you can only have one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Great League ones, there's what, 12? You've and got... You've got what, Jeethus, Lickitung, Altaria, Night of Queen, Reggie, Sableye, Swampert, Azu, Basti, Trevenant, Medi, and Toxapex, right? So you've got 12. It is funny to see Basti there. Yeah. Right, well, <laughs> no one's going to bring Basti, right? And, and I don't think, look at that group, I'm not going to bring Toxapex, I'm probably not bringing Azu, and I'm probably not bringing Altaria. Um, and I, I really wish I saw, saw some of those Pokemon shifted to that A tier. Um, cause I just, I just don't think they're gonna have any play at this point. Right. And of course I think, or not, I think, but I'm wondering what the meta team likes to do if they just look at usage data over at, uh, Niantic GBL servers from people who are at rank 20 and up, by the way, Jed, I finally got to the ACE rank, but I fell hard in this last GBL. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> And so just kind of me kind of me looking at that list, I see that kind of the S tier is the Pokemon that have been commonly seen at play Pokemon events. Like aside from the Bastiodon is kind of the odd person out. But seeing Lickitung up there as kind of like or I think is the bulkiest Pokemon in Great League at the moment. I could be wrong about that. Cause it it I think it just dishes out a lot of inform- a lot of information, a lot of damage, without taking it back. Well, yeah, I mean, when I looked at S tier, right? I mean, when I think about the play Pokemon tournaments, I, I always say there's the big five, right? G Fist, mm-hmm. Lickitung, Sableye, Trevenant, Metacham, right? And to me, that is the S tier. It's those five. I would like okay. to see them just like, of those five, you can have one and pump everything else to that A tier. That that's a fair. That's actually a fair assumption, but but. I think maybe um, what they're going to do... In, in context of the last cycle, Lickitung was a super safe pick for your team because it wasn't restricted at all. And so I feel like that's kind of why it's more of an overreaction to some of these. Is There was there was no drawback to picking like the Toxifex, which was brand new. And then even Altaria was, was still in that just big pool of things you could always bring. Right. And... I think what they're essentially doing is they took the most used Pokemon just like overall from even, I guess, from like cycle one slash season one, and they put it all in just, okay, this is our S tier, and then they'll kind of trim using this, kind of this format, the S and A restricted, all the way to essentially when we get like, uh, I guess, distilled S tier, per se. That's at least my theory craft behind it. If I'm wrong, I guess someone from Sylph will reach out and be, say, hey, you're wrong. I'll be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I conceptually like what they're doing. I think it's a, a move in the right direction. And I think, yeah, I think they're going to keep getting a little bit more expansive and a little smarter with the business move forward. Okay. Um, so sadly, I will say I will say that Ultra League is going back to open. I was really digging the Sylph-style Celestial field that they were doing. And of course, they're going with the S tier and restricted, with 
the the heavy hitters of G Fisk, Reggie Steele, Trevenant, Sw- uh, Swampert, Chrysalian, and Talonflame. Cobalion is kind of a new addition because before the move update with Double Kick, it was kind of just middling around, doing its thing. That that update, it's Cobalion's kind of broken in my opinion right now. Like it's just so good. Like I I'm glad to see it on that S tier. I agree yeah, with you on that. That deserves to be there. I think definitely Cobalion was the overall winner of when the move update first happened, and then they had just kind of like this unattended effect of we're going to give Cobalion double kick have fun you guys and now everyone in ultra tier has one on their team I uh I ended up probably the team I did the best with this season in GBL was specifically an anti-Cobalion team in uh, ultra league because I got tired of losing to it like every other battle oh really yeah um Toxic Rogue ended up being like a really good pick for the open ultra meta Toxic Rogue actually is a really amazing pick when you think about it because of its counter mud bomb. I mean, the only thing that's really wallet is Garatina and Swampert and Chrysalia, no? Yeah, and even with against Swampert, the, the counters and the mud bombs just add up. So I'm putting this in my notes now. Build Toxic Croak for Ultra. And right, I don't perfect. think it's I don't think it's restricted next cycle, so um, no, it's looking at the list, it's not. <laughs> so but yeah, one thing, if you look at the non-restricted list in Ultra, right? I mean, you've got some some heavy hitters that aren't restricted at all. Like the Drapian's not restricted. I think that's going to be very very common. Um, but even somebody like a Snorlax, right? Something that's not not the the sexiest pick in the world. But I think you're going to see a lot of Snorlaxes running around just with the the makeup of how they got the restricted list. I don't want to. I I don't want to like. <laughs> you're all right. I don't I don't want to give away anything to my opponents, but. There's one core I really love running in Ultra League, and both Mons are not restricted this cycle, so look out. Ooh, that's going to be an amazing one. One Pokemon that I'm very interested to see is Guzzlord on the Ultra League A restricted list. I remember talking about saying that it was going to be really good in Pv in Ultra League PvP, which is kind of the case. But how are we seeing Alolan Ninetales up there? and some other dragons, it does have some stiff competition. Yeah, I think that the Guzzlords and the Komo-O's have, have more play um, in the self, you know, bring six format than maybe a regular GBL, mm-hmm. um, just because you can see what your opponent's bringing. You can see if they're bringing that fairy, and if you're bringing a Guzzlord or Komo-O and you're not seeing a, you know, a Charmer coming up against you, or maybe an Ice Pokemon as well, um, you know, you, you could have free reign to really just unleash those two, those two Pokemon. Right, right. And then kind of looking at the next, I, I kind of just gonna kind of blow through these real quick. In the Master League, they're doing like a, a Go Stadium cliffhanger point setup, which I thought, or Architect setup from back in June. And I am very much amazed that they're allowing some more Megas onto the list, as well as kind of putting some Megas and in, instead of all being S tier, kind of putting like Mega Charizard X down in the B tier. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes. That makes some sense. I, I am a fan of the uh, of the tiering system that they did. I mean, you can make the argument that it really favors the people who have wailed, but that's just Master League for you. Uh, yeah. Definitely, definitely not shocked to see Charizard X down there, though, because, I mean, it was available last time around, and it really fell out. I think people ran it maybe, like, the first week or two, but then it really fell out off because it was just, like, an inferior dragon type in a very dragon-heavy meta. 
bright, and especially with the premier Pokemon, the premier Dragon and Steel type Dialga just dominating everything, it made it hard for other dragons to kind of take a take the spotlight away, right? Yeah, I I'm gonna be interested to see like they now that they're allowing more Megas. Um, obviously, most of them are gonna be restricted, but I think it's gonna shake up the meta in a good way. I see Mega Pidgeots down there, and I am a Bird Jesus aficionado myself. So if I ever want to run a Mega Slot for the memes, I'm definitely bringing Mega Pidgeot, y'all. T- telling y'all right now. Are are all the Megas accounted for on this list now? Like, are there any besides Beedrill that are zero points? Mega Beedrill, Pidgeot, Slowbro, Kangaskhan, Aerodactyl, Ampharos, Houndoom, Manectric, Absol, Banet, and Lopunny are all listed in the D tier, unrestricted. I guess they're unrestricted Pokemon because they don't take up any. They don't. Uh, they don't count against the eight points you have to build your team around. That'll be interesting to keep in mind and see if anyone tries to leverage something, especially like an Aerodactyl, just for that burst damage. I'm sure somebody will try to get creative. I think the biggest. I think maybe a good Pokemon that they're gonna allow that a lot of people might sleep on is going to be Mega Slowbro's bulk and just trying to hit hard with the psychic damage. I'm going to call that. That's my that's my bulk prediction for Master League. I don't I'm definitely not a Master League expert in the least bit, but I mean just looking at the list, I think you're going to see a lot of Melmetal and a lot of Dragonite. I think Melmetal being a 2-pointer and Dragonite being a 1-pointer is going to be especially the Dragonite. I think that's going to be a an easy selection to make. Mm. Now, how about how about Florgus not being one of the restricted mons? It's a D tier. Or- or Togekiss or Primarina, right? I mean, I think those yeah. would be as well. Well, I, well, I think both Florgus and then kind of with Primarina and Togekiss, I think with the advent of Fairy Wind, it allows you to get some moves faster than just using Charm and like charming down people, right? Yeah, and then Primarina, you can go to Waterfall and make it a you know a pretty good you know water Pokemon <laughs> tier if you're running against the right you know six Pokemon. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of flexibility there. I mean, I think Florgus's biggest drawback is it just doesn't have, like, great coverage moves. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a good pick, but also you're running the risk of getting it locked in against, like, a Ho-Oh or, you know, um, I guess Metagross isn't really that common in the uh, the Open Master League, but there's definitely the, the risk there. Maybe that's why it wasn't banned. I'm definitely going to make yeah. a call. Not a call. Sorry. I, I'm gonna, I was gonna say I'm gonna have make or not make it. I'm gonna have Cell see if they'll try to want to do like a level forty master league, where if they have like kind of let the the smaller players play in that league to see how well it it does, because that's where I'm well versed in master league. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna completely agree with you. I think a lot of people find level forty master league to be very very fun to play, whether it's in Sylph or Great or, or GBL or whatever the case. Um, I know I'm, I miss playing it this this time around in GBL. Um, I'm not playing level 50 Master League at all. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree. I would love to see you, two different tiers of Master League himself. Sylph, if you're listening, make that a slot so that that way you have like more Master League players. Just throwing that out there, please. I know some of you listen. You've said you've said nice things on the po- about my podcast, so or about the podcast. So please. <laughs> I mean. I- then that's definitely like the hardest position to fill on a team is to find somebody who has the, the level 50 mons. So I think if Sylph like wants to increase participation, like get more teams uh, off the ground, yeah, have like a, a level 40 master spot. Like let more people be able to participate. 
I mean, well, let's be honest too, right? It's probably easier to make a level 40 Master League team than it is some of the the specialty cups that they have in the Great League where you're still going to have to build level 50 mons to compete. Um, so I, I, I think level 40 Master League is, is a very easy to enter, um, you know, fair, fair competition. Do, do you have an idea of how they could, uh, how do I say this, uh, police the, the level 40 cap? Like ensure that people actually bring level 40s into the battle? Yeah, exactly. I mean... I guess. Yeah, I mean, like you record the battles, and it's easy to tell if something's been leveled up over over forty based on the CP. So. No, but what they're saying, right, is you could be running a zero fifteen fifteen at level forty four or something. Oh, yeah, that's true. It off like it's level forty. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I think maybe what Self could do, at least like for the Master League setup, is. If you are allowed to say put an like put your IVs in, but only the staff members of Self Arena faction could look at it, and then they could kind of say, okay, well, based on this combination uh, and your IVs, your maxed out CP should be this at level 40, and it's not, so we're gonna have to ban your Pokemon. Yeah, but then the question comes, like, would they actually have the manpower to do that? That that's a fair question. Because there are a lot of teams. That, that's honestly a fair question. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it seems like they're usually begging for volunteers. So, This, right. this may just be a, a net antic question of can we get a player side Master League 40 cap battle challenge mode? I'd sign that petition. Or even something simple, right? Like, I mean, can we get an indicator on all the different Pokemon, what level they are, just so that everybody can actually see it in the battle screen? I mean, that would be a really simple solution. Yeah, and, and a long time coming. Like, the fact that you have to guess based on the Stardust cost for power-ups, it still blows my mind. That is quite personally the reason why I rarely fight in the Master League, unless it's like Master League Premiere, where I got the six Rock, Paper, Scissors bonds, and I get my choice of a lot. <laughs> but let's see here. We can go on and on about Master League, sadly. <laughs> I'm going to kind of jump into the newest, the newest battlefields that they're introducing, which... It's not a, a rehash, and it's not a, it's not like a remix of anything. It's completely, completely new fields that I'm excited for. We have the Ember Field and the Vanguard Field. Like I already, I already have like a pretty good headache from trying to decipher the Vanguard Field. Like at least when it first came out, but I think we got like a good read on it now. I was trying to wrap my head around because I'm seeing, because obviously like I'm gonna use a Pokemon with a dual type like Flygon. This time I'm going to use it unironically, like not as a joke. Your Flygon in the Vanguard slot can fit in slot 2, where you take the Fighting Ground or Rock Typing slot, or in the Dragon or Flying slot in slot 4. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see what teams people are going to bring. And I think every... It's going to be very hard to kind of play around certain teams because some slots just might not line up aside from slots five and six where you're not allowed to bring water ground poison oh sorry ice fighting ghost or dragon in slots five and six yeah it's it's definitely an interesting meta um <laughs> I, I agree with me it's just you know figuring out the graphic took a while enough um i think we're all we're all getting there now um but yeah i think it's 
with the way they've got it set up, there's going to be a lot of interesting teams, and I think it's going to take longer um, kind of for that consensus best team to emerge than some of the other metas that we've seen. Because it seems like usually by weeks two or three, um, especially you start looking at those upper tiers, you start seeing the same, you know, four or five or six Pokemon getting used. I don't think that's going to happen with Vanguard. Jet, were you going to talk about Vanguard a little bit? Oh, just, just that it is definitely in that overwhelming stage just with the graphic like i feel like that's kind of always how it is at least for me until there's the full pv poke breakdown to look at and at least kind of build an idea around what is actually got a decent score i usually wait for p i think it's pvp steve to kind of put out his meta simplified guides because i'll use that to kind of like take notes and start team building around that yeah i mean like i think there's still like on our end there's still some confusion like okay so slot one you you need an ice or water but frostlass is banned but then in one of the slots you can have a ghost is frostlass allowed on that slot i would say yeah by rules so. of, if it over taking it rules as written then that's going to be a yes and kind yeah, of seeing but... that you have you have like frostlass and jellicent are also ghost types you ha- they're making you choose between Frostlass or Jellicent, is what it's is what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's kind of the what we were leaning with as well. But it's definitely kind of on the ambiguous side. Right. And then in Vanguard, they have an interesting field where they're banning Dark, Fairy, and Steel types. Any Pokemon that has that as, a, as like a typing in itself. And then any Pokemon from Generation 7 to now, including... Obama Snow, Lantern, Medicham, Trevenant, and Altaria, as well as the Alolan, Galarian, Hisuian forms of Pokemon. Now we have to start a Free My Boy Lantern, uh, Free My Boy Lantern tag on Twitter. So. Yeah, and I mean the one thing they've done here too, right? I mean they've banned all the fairies from from both of the, the field meadows, right? Um, you know, no fairies available in Vanguard. Um, and they definitely don't want you to bring two dragons. They definitely don't want you to bring uh, two ghosts. Um, they don't want you to bring two fighters, right? So I mean, they're 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 kind of setting a structure of what they're expecting to see, um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, the team building that some folks do. And like you had said, going off of the interesting part, the the field specialists that can crack this code or this puzzle per se is definitely going to be the ones to take have a, a massive advantage over those that are kind of just jumping into Vanguard for the first time and trying to team build as best as they can. I know this is going to be one I'm going to struggle in if I were to be put in the Vanguard field. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it, and I never really thought about this right now, but I mean, I would try to find as many electric Pokemon as I could bring in to try to counter the, the Flyers um, and the Flyers and what I'm going to assume are going to be the Waters. So I think you're probably going to see two Waters on a lot of a lot of teams. Um, right. I'm guessing like Unova Stun is probably very strong and then Zapdos. we also can't count out the the mud boys that or the double ground cores that if i'm looking at slots five and six you can essentially choose two grounds if you haven't used your second slot for if you use your second slot for fighting or rock typing is what i'm if, if i'm interpreting this as rules as written yeah i would agree with you so is, is swampers going to be legal in this matter right I'm not seeing a. I'm not seeing anything saying Swampert is not allowed. So I'm gonna say it is allowed for right now. That, that's how you have to do it. Is it doesn't look like it says anywhere that you can't. <laughs> yeah. 
that's how you win, right? You 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 look at the rule book and say, well, it says I'm not allowed to do that. It doesn't say I'm not allowed to do this, so I'm gonna do it. I mean, we'll all find out when it comes time to input our teams. Right. And then to give some love to the other battlefield, we've got the Ember Battlefield, which I already hate because they don't allow dragons, which obviously means Flygon is banned, and so I will not fight in that one. But so this one, let's say this, the Ember Ember seems a little more streamlined to me. That Hisui and Quillfish is going to be very, very good. Because you, allow, you are allowing Pokemon that have the electric, fire, grass, or ground typing, as well as certain Pokemon that as well as certain Pokemon that they've named and they've banned Dragon Rock, Steel, and Mud Boys, per se, with certain Pokemon, with like as well as certain Pokemon in this one, as well as Megas and Shadows, which Megas is is a never anything new, but Shadow Pokemon not allowed in the Ember. I think this field is going to be more geared toward those who are just getting, or just new to the, the field specialist slot. So... Just real quick, just I never thought about this before until you said that. Is Mega Beedrill allowed in Vanguard, or are they ban Megas too? They they did ban Megas in oh. in the the Vanguard field. It looks like okay, it's just not graphic. Okay, okay, gotcha. Because I think what what they left out in the what they failed to communicate in the the infographic was only in the Master League open slot is where Megas are going to be allowed. Gotcha. Okay, that good. That makes sense. No, I but think Ember's I, nice. Ember's, I think, a good place for, for some fire Pokemon to shine. I've, it's always on my top of my complaints list that they always make it too hard for fire Pokemon to be successful. Um, you know, the fire will take down the grass, the grass will take down the ground, the ground will take down the, the electric Pokemon. Uh, so I think you got a pretty good balance there. Um, and I do like that they've added a couple of fighters, and I, I agree that the uh, Hisuian Quillfish uh, should be very strong there. I'm a little sad that not all Fire-type Pokemon are going to be allowed in this meta. Like, you gotta love the Fire Snail, and then the newest Fire Doggo, Hisuian Arcanine, which I know you technically can't use unless you've done some chicanery in forgetting a, a Hisuian Growlithe that's under level 20, but I still want to at least try to try to see him shine, because he's a good boy, the goodest boy. Kind of similarly, I'm also trying to think of a ground type that would be good that isn't named as a spot ban because like Stunfisk and Diggersby are both spot banned as are the Mud Boys. Excadrill? <laughs> That's a steel type. That's also banned. Oh, darn it. You're right. Uh, possibly Renaragus. Oh. That's a good one. That'll be a good one, yeah. See, you, we, we like y'all's insight because I would I, we would be sitting here for the next five minutes trying to theory craft something. And then, See, Oh, I was just going to say very quickly that the named allowed Pokemon that are outside the four typings are also just looking good enough that you could probably get away with making a team out of just those. Also, what about Rhydon? Just throwing type. that out there. It's a... Oh, that's right. Rock type. Darn it. <laughs> no, Jed, I, I actually... I was thinking the same thing as you, I think. I think that's what you just said. Like, I'm kind of looking at this and thinking, all right, maybe I'll just bring Surfetch, Quillfish, Muck you know, Machamp and Polygraph every time. Because I don't think you have very many direct counters to them. So especially when you have the, the dark poisons, you, you've essentially got an answer for the, the grass poisons that people would bring to counter the fighters, right? I guess Dawnpan might be a ground type people could use. What about Sandslash? Yeah, I kind of thought about Sandslash too. Um... I'm just not really seeing a need to like spam Night Slash in this meta. 
I guess the question is, do you want to... Because Sandslash gets access to Sand Tomb, correct? No, it does not. Night Slash, uh, Rock Tomb, Bulldoze. Yeah. Is it Bulldoze or EQ? Both? Oh, okay. sorry. No, it, sorry, it does Earthquake. It knows Earthquake already. So, so this is the meta that we can bring out the, the Shadow Luxray with Psychic Fang, and I think that would actually probably do pretty well from what I'm seeing. Oh, that's actually, yeah, that's actually a really good pick. That's going to be a disgustingly great combo. One of my big asks is always that they give Luxray a better fast move, because then it would, I think, be a legitimately good Pokemon. But yeah, looking at this format, I think Luxray is going to look nice, because you can run Crunch on it, too, if you wanted to, or Wild Charge, depending on for your second move, depending on your brand. Right. Luxray is actually my favorite Sinnoh early game Pokemon, because it's just it's a Shinx, and now it's a Luxray, and it will carry you to the Elite Four if you're careful. But that's main series game, so. <laughs> yeah, no, Luxray, though. Yeah, Luxray is, I think, so close to being a viable Pokemon in the Great League and the Ultra League. I just wish they would bump it up just a little bit. But yeah, it'll be good in this meta. Give it Ice Fang, because I know it can give it Ice Fang and just watch it go nuts. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, and it, like even the, the full Fang treatment would be nice. Alrighty. So that kind of covers. That kind of covers the the metas that are coming out for cycle three. And to be quite frank, I still don't know if we're going to have a cycle four or not because their infographic says yes, but then people are saying that it's the final bout and I don't really know where they're going. So <laughs> uh, you and me both. Um, I kind of read it as that there's going to be a cycle four because they've mentioned field metas returning for ultra. Um, not to say that that won't be like maybe like global melee or whatever that they did last time but i kind of read it as like everybody's gonna be getting cycle four gotcha but that's just my guess uh don't hold me to that oh you know you know the us i mean this isn't this isn't the the internet this is a podcast so we're not gonna hold (laughs) we're not gonna hold your feet to the fire we're just gonna say hey if you're wrong you were wrong and we'll go from there (laughs) but on that note it is now time to get to know our lovely guests that we have decided to bring onto the podcast. So I'll kind of answer the first question for the both of y'all. How did you originally get started in Pokemon PvP, per se? Uh, I guess I'll go first. I started playing when I was 10 years old when Blue Version came out. So, you know, it's been going on, what, 25 years of Pokemon, off and on. Uh, I picked up you know, Pokemon Go when it first came out in 2016, you know, it was the trainings that everybody was doing you know, that summer. Kind of uh, kind of fell out of it for a few years, but then COVID hit and it happened to like coincide into PvP. You know, after maybe around like season three of GBL, I started to like realize, hey, I'm kind of decent. And I started making the leaderboards most seasons, just hitting legend every season. And that's just kind of evolved, like looking for new challenges that start playing Silk, and from that I got new actions. Okay, I, I can go through. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm similar, but probably a little bit different. I played uh, red and blue and yellow back in the day. Um, I think I played gold and silver, though I'm not entirely positive on that. Um, and then I kind of took up the, the Pokemon break. I played a lot of Pokemon cards back in the day as well. Um, and then, yeah, Pokemon Go came out. I downloaded, I think, the second day it was out, kind of just for the nostalgia factor. Um, played it kind of passively off and on. Um, probably took about a six-month to a year-long break. Got back into it right before COVID, right when GBL was taking off. I think it was season three I started playing, I believe. 
Um, right when Giratina was really taking off, I remember you could get Giratina A as your GBL reward. Um, I remember doing that. And then, yeah, once COVID kind of took over, I, I, I had a lot of extra free time. Um, and I'll say I, I dedicated it to, you know, driving around town, uh, you know, catching the Pokemon, spinning the Pokestops, and then uh, doing the GBL bottles. So I got to ask the question for both of y'all. I'm kind of curious as well, doing a little bit of a follow-up. Did y'all ever do any self arena pvp stuff before you decided to do factions or was it just like a, hey i'm good at gbl let's try this new thing type of type of thingy uh, I'll, I'll take this one first amazed um yeah. i did just a little bit of self i was i always i kind of i guess we'll say i grew up in the fp stick server um so ah. you know getting into, getting into pvp I, I watched all the fp sticks videos i did this um you know i was always helping on his teams for the you know when they had the different battles against the other streamers um, so I would do some of the Sylph through FP6's um, Discord server, um, but I wasn't really overall that active. I've probably done, I don't know, 20 Sylph tournaments max in my career, if I had to guess. So not, not a whole lot. So I kind of went right from GBL to Factions. Um, definitely like Factions better than we'll call it Vanilla Sylph. Yeah, I kind of have the same uh, practice custom uh was mainly a gbl only person for a long time uh i had a friend that was kind of egging me on to try self out so i did that uh it also happened to coincide with me co-running a server the pvp place with uh with my faction mate uh trainer one two three um so i kind of got into silk mainly just from hosting tournaments but i would say that you know i do enjoy factions a lot more Awesome, awesome. I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that get that insight from the both of y'all because We're keeping you know, vanilla self as a term now, by the way. <laughs> I wrote, I already wrote that in, so remind me to add that to the notes. I, I really am glad that you guys kind of kind of started of course your age might be showing a little bit with red and blue, because I'm a Gen two boy. That's where I got my start. And well, this is this is exciting for me because I get some other Gen one people. <laughs> <laughs> Look, my mom. I think that's one of the more interesting things is Pokemon Go with me is. I mean, they release these new Pokemon. I've never seen them before, right? Uh, people talk about like the Pokemon they hope to see, you know, in Pokemon Go next. I have no idea what they're talking about. So I, yeah, every every <laughs> new Pokemon is oh, these Ultra Beasts. I never heard of them until three months ago. So it's it's all news to me. Yeah, I, I try to keep up. I've been playing a lot of of Violet lately, so I, I know all the new ones. So. There are definitely a lot of things that I'm looking forward to. So because you said that you're playing Violet, I got to ask, what team did you end up playing from the starter trio? Which one did you end up taking? Uh, I took Fuecoco. All right. We got a fellow Fuecoco player here. <laughs> I was I was team Quaxley originally, but then I saw the leaks for the uh, the final evolution. I was like, eh, no. <laughs> like Game, Freak, Game Freak really likes their bipedal uh three stage evolutions and i'm not really on board with that i was very sad when i saw the the final ones too i get i get trying to incorporate the culture and stuff but yeah you don't have to make them human to do that i don't need either. <laughs> but yeah so on that note um i'm in the same boat as you custom with the the ultra beast i never played sun and moon i stopped at gen 6 skipped over gen 7 because a lot of people were saying don't get them it's like they're holding your hand in a cutscene. And I go, well, it's a child's game, so that's kind of the point. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is like, when I see these, gen like when I picked up 
Sword and Shield for the first time, I was catching a lot of Gen 7 Pokemon thinking they were Gen 8s. And then they're like, no, that's a Gen 7 Pokemon. I was like, oh, okay. Well, it's new to me, so I'm going to take it and take it and run with it. Yeah, I mean, it keeps it exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. Yeah, same thing kind of, yeah so the same thing kind of happened with me because I never played Gen 6. So when I picked up Gen 7, I was catching a lot of Gen 6 mons, and I didn't know that they were you know from the old gen oh uh, so unfortunately you missed the part or you missed the generation when Talonflame. if you thought it was broken in, G- in pokemon go gbl it was really broken in gen 6 main series games i've heard yeah <laughs> <laughs> but kind of going into the the next question is how did y'all's faction come to life um i guess i'll take this one because i'm the one who started the faction i was playing um on another team pokemon go raiders I uh, believe we were in bronze tier. Uh, I joined that team basically as a favor to a friend. And uh, I played for them for one cycle. And uh, I had a good time. Like, they were a good group of guys. But it was a little um, too laid back, not competitive for me. So I always had wanted to start up my own team. And uh, I really wanted to start it out with my friend uh, Jordan, uh, also known as Trainer123, blah, blah, blah. I don't know all the numbers <laughs> on his name. But uh, I, it was always like like kind of in my mind that we would start up a faction together because we've been like practice buddies pretty much since like the beginning of GBL. Uh, we go back about two years. Like I just met him on the, uh, the Ghost Stadium uh, Discord where we would look for practice battles. And he was like, my go-to guy. And that just evolved into our friendship. So I reached out to him. He was he was on another faction, but they weren't going anywhere either. So we decided to uh, to start up a team around March of this this year, 2022. Uh, and we were very fortunate because we had some connections already. Um, you know, it's hard enough to like find like a team of players, you know, to start out a new faction, but to find ones with like quality players is even tougher, I think. Um, but luckily we had some connections there. Uh, Jordan himself, he's, he's an amazing battler. He's consistently on like the first page of the GBL leaderboards. Uh, we had another, a mutual friend, Caspian Pike. He's been number one on the GBL leaderboards. Uh, Skeptical Tracer, our Master League specialist. I recruited him because he's like a local for me who runs the uh, the Richmond, Virginia um, Discord. He's uh, he's also an incredible like first page leaderboard guy. Uh, see, Gino Thanks was another original person. He um, I met him because I was hosting a tournament and he swept it, and I was like, okay, this guy's really good. Nobody knows who he is. Uh, <laughs> And I was also fortunate. Uh, the other, the other original person on the team was Galar MT. He was my teammate at PGR, and he kind of had a lot of like insight on how factions worked. And he's also like really knowledgeable on like Sylph rules. So I was fortunate to have like a solid group of like basically we had seven like really solid players at on day one, really. Right, because I also saw that. You know, when I when we had joined Bowler and the gang, or now known as the Angry Bottoms, kind of looking at I was looking at the new these new teams and I said, Hey, does anybody know about this team, Brave Nerds? They have like four elites on their team and I know I kind of I fell into the trap of self rank kind of matters, but it also kinda of doesn't. And everyone's like, Nah, they're they're pretty new. Um, let's see how far they go. And I was like, They're gonna do really, really well. Just I have a feeling. Yeah, and 
a lot of it was actually so I put a lot of pressure on myself to kind of build the best team I could. Uh, part of it, it was because Jordan, you know, we started the team together and a couple weeks into the team actually starting, he got an offer to join a uh, an Emerald tier team over in uh, over in the, the European uh, factions. And he turned him down because he wanted to play with me and like Caspian Pike and, you know, with the, with his friends. Uh, so I was like, okay, this guy turned down an Emerald tier team. I need to like really do my best to make sure we're like competitive and can can do well right and kind of well you all y'all's record kind of speaks for itself i believe to date you've only dropped one game or one bout and that was in like the open tier when everyone was still kind of new and fresh no uh we dropped three last cycle but each one was uh, a one point loss okay I'm, I'm also kind of stalking your your self page <laughs> okay, gotcha. Uh, so yeah, you had. Oh, so actually, you guys fought against Sharks and Wreck and Rock Paper Slark when y'all were in open, and you guys went on the revenge tour next year. It looks like because all the teams that you fought in Iron were essentially team like the the hard fought wins were essentially the same ones that you had fought in open tier that you had originally lost to. It looks like. Yeah, I can't uh, speak for everybody else on the team, but I. I... I walked away from that first cycle a little disappointed because those three losses, just one little tiny thing that breaks our way each week and we would have been undefeated. So it definitely went into this cycle with, you know, revenge on our minds. No, and that's what's tough about factions though, right? Um, so before I was on um, the Brave Nerds, I was in the Emerald tier on Omega Lol. And I mean, when you have these good factions going against the other good factions, you know, regardless of tier, it's it's always going to be a coin flip to some to some extent, right? I mean, Rock Paper Slark is a is a hell of a team. Um, every time we play them, it's always going to be a close matchup because there's just so much talent on both sides. Um, so not to take away from any you know skill from from any you know one certain battle or team, but when you have two teams going against each other with this you know bring six pick you know bring six pick three format, it's always going to be close. Gotcha, gotcha. And I guess the the other thing is it it kind of the the whole factions part kind of astounds me is you bring you know you have 10 people on your team you bring seven to fight and everyone's still kind of working together trying to be not necessarily trying to one up each other but kind of like work together to get at least the 11 points or possibly go go further and just to like win and i think at least for me there was there was like this added pressure where if you lost like if you got 03'd, which happens to me a number of times last cycle, if you all stock my card, you'll see it. Um, just kind of looking at when something like that does happen, it kind of make it kind of makes you feel like y'all let your if I, or I might be the only one that thinks about it. But do y'all kind of feel like you let your team down a little bit when like you you don't get to bring a, a single point on the board? Oh Definitely. yeah, it's the worst part of factions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, we had one match. Yeah, it's not a good feeling at all, but I try to like, I don't know, I try to tell like the guys on the team, like, even if you go 03, you got, you got six other people who can pick you up. I mean, I've been 03 and it, it it sucks, but I also know that like, okay, like odds are like my, my teammates are going to be able to pick me up and, and it's going to be erased. Yeah, we had one match against, against, I think it was against, uh, the Sharks. I was the first person to go. I played against S City Boy, and he three would me right off the bat. Um, and like that's just the worst feeling, right? Because at this point, you let yourself down. You let down your team. 
Um, but then, yeah, to, to May's point, I mean, what's really nice about factions is I think Caspian then a few hours later had a 3 out and even you know, the game's now tied in 3-3. to three. Um, So you definitely didn't play your best, but your teammates are picking. Gotcha, gotcha. And actually, and I, cause... Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. And um, going from, like, I went from a team that was not really competing where I felt like I was going, like, 2-1 or 3-0 most weeks. And I felt like an obligation where I had to like win my match every week for us to have a chance. Going from that to going to a team where I know everybody else on the team is going to be able to pick me up if I fall. Uh, that I think that's made me a better battler because I can go in more relaxed into my matches. I mean, that, that, that sounds like an actual team. Yeah, I was going to say that that I've been on a, a couple of teams, like not just the my faction team, but just like on other Pokemon like non-sanctioned Pokemon Go stuff, kind of being on that definitely feels that way where instead of like, you have to win these games of, yeah, our team's got this type of thing. So, but I, I appreciate that that insight into kind of how the the faction kind of came to life on that. I also like that no one just said, no, Taco, it's just you that feels bad when you lose. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I took it to the end. I agree, right? It's the worst part of factions is losing 03. You're letting down the world at that point. It's okay. I felt I feel that before you know not putting points up. I was thankful that I had two. I had amazing teammates to bail me out. And sometimes if we lost by like one or two points, I was like, you know what? That's my. That's on me, y'all. I feel bad. That's. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know the the flip side about that though. It's not the flip side, but an interesting kind of like pivot on that is when you have an absolutely horrible matchup. Being able to just like get the one point out of it is sometimes a really good feeling. I remember when I was playing in an ultra league. Um, against Arrow, actually. And I think that I just brought a team that was completely weak to Dark, and he had, I think, two Dark Pokemon. I might have this, this story wrong. But I I was in a horrible, horrible spot. I managed to play, like, one game, like, the best game of my career, pulled it out of my ass, got one point. And, like, that was a good feeling. Because, right, because I was giving that one point to the team, even though I didn't win, win my battle. Gotcha. But, yeah, that's... I felt myself saying that saying to my play to my teammates that ended up not not taking a 2-1 or they would have a 2-1 the other way and say hey I only want one game I would just say you got us points and so we're one step closer we're still winning at right now so at least thanks for for kind of thanks for kind of getting us a point and putting us in a better position no exactly exactly and amazed you kind of touched on this you kind of touched on this a little bit when you were talking about how your faction came to life what it do, how important do you think team chemistry is when it comes to being a part of a faction or running a faction as a captain uh yeah i played on a team where like the guys were great but i was definitely the outsider who didn't know anybody so i would essentially just go do my match report my score and that was pretty much it and i did that for a cycle and i would say going from that that atmosphere to a team where I knew a lot of the people already and already had like good relationships with a lot of them it, it made it like a a pretty big deal because a you really don't want to like let your friends down um but also it's just a matter of like the we're all working together to help each other um you know I've tried as a captain to to really instill the idea that like every bout even though seven players are playing it's it's the whole team that's behind a win and it's the whole team is behind a loss as well um you know i expect my players to to 
put in the work to do scrims. Even if you're not in the lineup that week, you need to be available to, to help out your teammates. And uh, so in a lot of ways, like when I was trying to like recruit players, I was trying to get like selfless ones. Um, actually, <laughs> a tactic I kind of used when I was uh, when I was recruiting players was uh, I would ask them if they would be okay with being an alternate. And if they said yes, I'm like, okay, well, this person probably is going to be, you know, okay with sharing time and probably is going to be a selfless player. Okay. No, and just kind of piggyback on that, Emmaus, right? I mean, I, I think I think that chemistry is very important with factions. I, I think that the team aspect is the, the nice part of factions. Um, and I think having a good team that really likes each other and really bonds over, you know, the matches week to week um, sets you up for success. Um, once again, a lot of my, my experience has been in the, the, the upper tiers and, and really you could really take those upper tier teams and kind of divide them. Probably like 80% of them were very close teams that would prep together, battle together, etc. And then there was a couple of teams that would just, I think it'd be a bunch of individual contributors, right? Um, and the teams that were, were prepping together and acting more as a team was always up. Um, and, and definitely, you know, when you're putting teams together, as Mayish was saying, you want to bring in, you know, some some good people that are going to get along and, and really want to, you know, keep building that, that team aspect. I know when they were looking for folks, what it was three months ago, um, I recommended Driftblim to them. Um, Cause I met Driftblim at the, the North American championships or whatever in Columbus. Uh, he actually beat me, um, but I had a really good conversation with him, got to know him. And when uh, Amaeus was looking for another person for the Brave Nerds, I actually recommended Driftblim because I knew he'd be a good member for their team. Yeah, that paid off because he went, I think, 14 and 4 this cycle. Dang. Um, yeah. And then also, it's just uh, as we, you know, we've had some success early on. And um, one of the problems for like the lower tier teams, uh, I'm sure you guys will probably find this out, is the, the upper tier teams are going to come after you. Um, you know, once the cycle ends, your players are going to be getting offers to join, uh, you know, higher tier teams. And chemistry and friendship does go a really long way because I'm fortunate to have like a bunch of guys who kind of hold, they buy into the idea that we're all going to like climb the tiers together. Um, you know, they want to like, they want to get to Emerald, but they want to get to it as a brave nerd. And mm. that's, that's that's a big deal because i know that like my guys are getting offers to join like diamond and emerald tier teams uh probably at this very moment um and they're free they're free to do that if they they think but they also like a lot of them just like buy into that you know that they're they're here for the long run yeah i was gonna say the same thing i made so I, I think this this time of the, in the off season so to speak um that's where that, that team chemistry really does pay off because yeah, I mean, you're seeing a lot of movement in the upper tiers and it makes its way down to the lower tiers. Um, and I guess it's an unfortunate part of factions how much movement there is sometimes. But yeah, when you have that team that wants to be together, that wants to play together, that wants to win together, um, you don't have to worry about that quite as much. And that was the other point I was gonna make about chemistry too, right? I mean, there, there's that, that teamwork aspect, but also, I mean, factions is a lot more fun when you're winning, right? Obviously. Um, but but winning it also helps that team chemistry. Um, it's it's it's. I know it was tough when I was on Omega Lull. We had about three cycles in a row where we were essentially playing not to get relegated, and and that does take a toll on chemistry over time because you're not having that fun time pushing for the top, pushing to get promoted, pushing to win, 
Um, you're really playing to not lose, um, which was really has a different kind of outlook um, than what we're seeing right now with the, the, the Brave Nerds. Gotcha, gotcha. And I had a good question that I was going to ask, but... I have, I have a couple follow-ups. Okay. <laughs> Go for it, so Jet. Just, yeah, just, just to jump in because you're you're talking about aiming with the full team of going to emerald how do you how do you feel about uh i guess the the timing that it takes to get there starting and especially starting and open how how long just just in real lifetime it takes to go from from open to emerald like is do you feel like it's a healthy amount of time to be able to climb or is is the nine week cycle too much do you think I think a lot of ways we are, our timing was bad, but we're also still blessed. Um, I'm really thankful for the double jump. Um, you know, obviously if you go into iron tier and you do your business and you get double promoted and then say we do the same thing next cycle, we're going to be, could potentially be in gold, um, you know, within a six month period, which, you know, isn't terrible. But then it's, on the flip side, I, I can't help but wonder, like, if I had started the faction maybe a cycle earlier, we could potentially be in, like, Platinum by now because the way the promotions worked after they added all the new tiers. But, you know, for me, it's just, it's more about, like, the, the journey rather than the destination, you know. I think we we think we're going to get up to the, the higher tiers, the higher tiers, but also I just kind of want to enjoy it as we get up there. Yeah, I, I agree, Mace. And I, I mean, I think the short answer is like, yes, I think that the journey is too long, right? Because yeah, to go from open up to Emerald is going to take, I'm sure someone knows this number. I mean, it's going to take you, what, probably a year and a half to do it. Um, like minimum. I, I, I don't have a good answer though, right? As, as how to make it better. Um, you know, maybe something where the, the end of the season tournament the winner of that gets an automatic emerald spot and the next two get diamond spots or something like that just to make it interesting right um where you're really playing for something um and that could i guess open up for a, a new team to join and open and theoretically make a an open to emerald jump <laughs> in one cycle if they were really that the team of all-stars that you really want to have an emerald um because I, I, I do think that there's a downside to making it such a long journey, right? Elite TMs dominated everyone in all of their different cycles for, I don't know what I'm gonna say, six straight cycles, right? Um, that was an Emerald tier team from the get-go um, and probably made it unfun for some of their opponents along the way to have them have to take that long journey. Yeah, I had the unfortunate uh, experience of playing them in bronze. Right. And, 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 I'm gonna go, that's not fun, right? You don't wanna be playing one of these all-star stack teams. If you're a bronze team, just trying to get your, your feet wet, just trying to learn how to do factions, how to do Sylph, how to grow as a Pokemon. Um, it's not fun to just go in and get, get an emulator by some all-star team that's being forced to take the long road to Emerald. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and to, to kind of build on that, I personally think that the current wave of like teams that are coming up, um, the ones that got promoted with us last, cycle so us and like rock paper slark and sharks and recreation and those teams plus the ones that are behind us the ones that are getting promoted after this this past cycle it's probably the best like crop of like talent to come through the open league in maybe since the beginning of sylph so i think right now you have a you have a situation where factions is very like top bottom heavy um you have like the teams that are at the top base, you know, they deserve to be there because they've they've clawed their way up. 
But then you have the ones at the bottom who they might not necessarily be at the same level, but they're kind of just being held back just because of timing. Um, they might not be too far off talent-wise. Right, like I'll, I'll be absolutely shocked if, if Rock, Paper, Slark doesn't just dominate, what is it, Copper? Yeah. Right, they're gonna dominate Copper. Um, and then they're gonna get promoted, and I mean, they're gonna just keep doing very well. Um, you know, ho hopefully the same thing with us, right? Um, and once again, I don't, like I said, I don't have a great answer for how to do it. I think having the double jumps helps. Uh, maybe you actually need more double jumps out of open and out of iron um, to kind of just, you know, get new blood up into those middle tiers. Cause that's really where that, that kind of that, that's that slow slug is, is going from open to those mid tiers. I mean, I, I just firstly though, I, I love all of this commentary. Like this is, this is exactly kind of stuff I love talking about. And then I, this is like taking a little bit of a step back, but I was curious just because you talked about people like players that specifically looked for ones that were okay being alternates. What does that mean for setting your lineup each week? Like, what is what does that process end up looking like? So, for me, like, cycle one was very much like trial and error because I had never been a captain of a team before. And uh, I generally just played my top players most weeks unless there was something that came up that, you know, forced me not to. Uh, this, this most recent cycle, though, I tried to make us much more flexible. Uh, I all I rotated in um, players more often, and I think the idea is if you have a team that's ten deep, rather than just having seven, you know, reliable options that you ride every week, um, you can keep your opponents off balance because they're not going to be expecting certain players in certain spots. Uh, you can afford to give you guys breaks because, especially with the, the cycles being nine weeks now like every once in a while you one of your guys is just going to need a breather especially um you know if they play like in a week that's really high pressure you know you might want to give them some time off uh so i definitely like having a team where everybody is okay with like sharing time um and i'm very lucky to have a group of like really selfless guys who you know they're there to help each other no, it amazed. I mean, one thing I do want to add, and this is directly answering the question. This is specifically for all of you new factions out there. Um, amazed is a good captain, right? He's a great captain in the sense that he he rallies the troops, he puts out the lineups. Um, a lot of like those those decisions of who's playing what gets funneled through amazed rather than as like a group discussion. And I think that that's definitely the way to go. Um, I definitely think having a very strong captain that's that's leading the team along the way um, is a huge success factor for a faction, and I think it may assess the team up for success. I appreciate that. That's a that's actually a really good insight. I remembered my question now. Actually, it had to do with your your recruitment style and, of course, networking with other fellow Pokemon Go trainers. Do did you get um, especially? I guess when COVID kind of hampered this a little bit. Did y'all find it a little easier to network with other Pokemon Go players when everyone switched to remote tournaments? Or like in Custom's case, when he went to NAIC, was it easier to kind of just introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm a Pokemon Go player, you know, like yourself. Like just having that bond of, you know, we do this together and we're both like high level players. Would Was that like kind of easier to do versus just like, hey, I'm so-and-so a stranger on the internet. Would you like to join our faction? Um, 
I think I kind of hit on this before. I think I was lucky to, uh, I'm by no means like a well-known uh, player, but I think in a lot of circles, I'm kind of recognizable. Like I've done, I've done GBLA before. Um, you know, I've been on the leaderboards plenty of times. So uh, I think I had that going for me. And then also, like I mentioned, I co-founded the team uh, with Jordan. He was like kind of also a, a fairly like, not super well-known player, but known enough to where maybe we had an edge when it came to networking and finding people. Okay. Yeah. And we were, and like I said, I was fortunate to know some players who they kind of fell in the same mold as us. They're incredibly, incredibly good players, but they just, for whatever reason, um, weren't like household names. Yeah. I mean, and I can't comment on like before COVID or after COVID. Cause I mean, I didn't really, I wasn't in this community at all before COVID. Um, I mean, I probably didn't even have Discord or know what Discord was until maybe about a year into to, to COVID. So, so I was kind of late to catch up on all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, I was probably fortunate to be at the top of the leaderboards, kind of, I think, when Pokemon really started getting popular over, you know, we'll say a year and a half ago. So, so I, I think a lot of people that I meet do know my name and I do know a lot of people too, just from the community. So I thought it was very nice going to something like NAIC because I was putting, you know, faces to names. Um, and what I actually thought was really funny was I couldn't remember anyone's real name to save my life. Um, <laughs> I couldn't tell you Driftwind's real name, right? He, he, he was, I just, I, I remember I sat down next to him. He was, he was excited to meet me. He told me he remembered the first time he ever beat me and, and how he kept trying to beat me and he couldn't beat me in GBLA and he finally did it. Um, it was just, it was a funny story, right? It's when you're having these, these same kind of experiences as these other people and you don't really know them, you don't really think about it, but we were all going through, you know, the same kind of things, trying to, to, you know, climb the leaderboards. Um, but yeah, I mean, I met so many people that I'd battled, that I'd talked to Twitter, I'd talked to on the discords. Um, and it was really just nice to, to get, in, to, to, to meet some of the, the community. Yeah. Like, and to follow up on that, like most people I've met through the community have been through like you know social media or discord or remote tournaments um i mean i met custom approach basically on twitter because he said nice things about our team um <laughs> i knew who he was before because we had battled before and i knew he had been number one but basically him the catalyst for him joining us was just like yeah he he complimented our team on twitter i was like oh hey i like him <laughs> <laughs> He brings the good vibe. <laughs> it's, guys, it's 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 easy to impress a maze if you couldn't tell. You just say a couple nice things and you're you just just compliment me and we're we're gonna be good friends. <laughs> oh no, I mean it was funny though, yeah. Before before last cycle, no well two cycles ago I think, no no one was giving the brave nerds any hype on the on the Twitter and I kept seeing stuff about the sharks, I kept seeing stuff about rock, paper, slark, and I, I a couple times I was just like Where's the brave nerd love? Because I was looking at this team, and they got a maze. They got they've got trainer. They had Jamie from Pallet. I mean, this is a pretty stacked uh, open tier team. And yeah, that's how me and Amaze really started talking about it. You know, you just unlocked a memory. I remember seeing that thread on Twitter when MJ put out. I think it was his second or third article. And I was more upset the fact that they didn't mention us, or they were just like making fun of us because we always struggled in field and we had beaten two of his play two of his teams that he had picked to like win it and i remember seeing a reply at your reply 
and it kind of made me laugh a little bit. I was like, oh my gosh, they're just like us. And then when we ended up playing, I'm like, oh wait, they're better than us. <laughs> they deserve it. <laughs> I, I do totally agree that remembering human names is a very separate skill from player names. I, I can guarantee you I can't remember Jet's real name for the life of me. Just like I bet he doesn't know my real name, but <laughs> it's okay. Only, only because it keeps popping up on my Switch. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> honestly, there, there are people on the team I don't know their real names. Yeah, Jordan's the only one I know his real name because... It's, it's, it's Jordan. Jordan, then trainer, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I first looked at the, the trainer, trainer one, two, three, yada, I thought it was a legit phone number. So I was like, I called it, I called it trainer phone number for the longest time. Cause I just couldn't remember the numbers after it. No, he, uh, his original name got banned. Oh so yeah. <laughs> That's he's an oof. forever trainer. He's forever trainer. One, two, three. <laughs> That's rough, but I'm going to go ahead and jump into the next question. So obviously you guys won iron tier. Once again, congratulations on that. Do you guys have any new expectations or kind of rewarding the question? What are your expectations going into the new, the new cycle of, I believe it's bronze. Yeah, we'll go with bronze. (laughs) I'll take Uh, this one at least just so that people don't, so they don't go after our captain, right? (laughs) Tell me to shut up. Um, I mean, I really do think our team is expecting to keep winning, right? I mean, I think that's our expectation moving forward. I think that we, I, Iron was tough. I think that we're, we're going into to bronze. And I think the expectation in bronze is to, to keep winning and, and keep getting promoted. I think it's that pretty simple. I don't think gotcha. that's a controversial thing. Like, I think, uh, I like to think that we're going to be the favorites going into bronze. Um, uh, you know, big expectations because we... I think we were one of like three undefeated teams in North America this past cycle. Um, we had the second most points scored. So the expectations are going to be that to obviously for us to double promote again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I look at it's going to be I think that overall the bronze tier, it's not as top heavy as iron was last cycle. Um, I don't really see there being like a rock, paper, slark team to really like push us. But at the same time, I'm, I look at these these rosters. And I'm like, okay, every one of these teams can beat us. Um, so we're gonna have to definitely, uh, you know, keep doing what we're doing. Uh, you know, whatever worked for us getting to getting to bronze, we're gonna have to keep keep practicing that. Okay. And then, I would say like I love the expectations that you guys are setting for yourself going in. Kind of reminds me of last cycle. Yet or two cycles ago when the SoCal Swablu blue team went undefeated in iron, got promoted, and ended up going, I think, five bouts in before they finally lost a game, and they still ended up getting promoted. I believe they took third place? Yeah, oh, they, they didn't get the double promotion. Oh, I know that. Because of a tie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I also think that's going to be the trend, right? I would expect whoever wins iron and gets double promoted to maybe be the favorite going into bronze just about every season kind of like the way we're talking about right i mean there's just that 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 slug through those those bottom tiers i think the what is it what they call the the ttt squad the 27 and 0 squad oh uh, the the, 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 the iron, what i was like they're the tappin turtle squad i did whatever they say. are <laughs> <laughs> like I, I won't, uh, I won't comment too much because Jamie is a former teammate. Um, but yeah, 
uh, <laughs> I'm not. I, I didn't have any plans to make 27 and 0 sweatshirts for you guys. No, but they. I, but I guess what I'm saying though, right? Is I mean, they'll be an iron this this cycle. Um, yeah. I, I would say that they're the the heavy favorites to get double promoted. Um, and I would expect them to go into bronze next cycle as potentially the favorite in, in bronze. Um, after yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah, I think that's yeah. just going to be the trend moving forward. Gotcha, gotcha. And especially seeing, I'm seeing a lot like in open tier. We're seeing a lot of the new like academy teams coming up, and or starting in open and kind of like doing placing really, really well and getting those promotions. And another some other academy teams still kind of like fighting for a spot to be near the top and. So I was kind of I was kind of happy that kind of seeing some some other squad uh, other squads other teams that maybe aren't academy teams being being are fighting for the the chance to be promoted as well. What That's are right. your guys? Stadium I'll say elite what academy teams there, right? I'm sorry. The Stadium Elite Academy team is is an Iron too, aren't they this season? Yeah, they're getting promoted to Iron. Yeah, along with the uh, NEB Winter Vortex and uh, Bad Mewtwo's. I think they're a B team as well. Right. Yeah, so they're setting up for another really good season of Iron, right? And, and, and once again, I, I kind of wish that all four of those teams were getting double promoted coming out this next cycle, and unfortunately, it's only going to be one. Right. Well, In the same way, it was really like, it, it was almost like a bittersweet victory for us, at least in my opinion, because on one hand it was like exhilarating to get the double promotion to be best team in this year but at the same time it felt it felt kind of bad because rock paper slark is a damn good team you know they're going to be climbing up there with us but it was you know one team had to like walk away disappointed and fortunately it wasn't us but you know they they had an amazing cycle and it just sucked that both of us couldn't double promote. Right. And You're listening. Amazed and I are saying way too many nice things about your uh, faction, um, but you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. That... <laughs> well, hey, that I would say like that's just the the type of the type of trainers that that uh, Amazed has kind of fostered in, where it's like you know we he's a to me I'm getting like I'm getting a very wholesome vibe. He just kind of has nothing but great things to say about other teams and you know not to well, not there, to say there's te- another team. I'll stay quiet on the the other ones. Okay. I'll say mostly. We butt heads a little bit with um, this cycle but it was still it wasn't that bad. Okay. I was going to say well like the the wholesome part that you're bringing in it's kind of making me wish that if you're if you're listening you know if you do get calls to start a B team, you know maybe people will want to join to join that B team just to be a part of the the wholesome experience. Mostly, I mean, I haven't like made anything official yet, but a B team is definitely in the work. Ooh, nifty! <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm glad that that you guys are like I said before going in with the the high expectations, and I wish you guys the best of luck in bronze. You know, you'll we'll be reporting on y'all for one one more cycle, and if you guys yeah, win. Hope- I was gonna say if y'all if y'all end up winning the the bronze tier and get double promoted again, fortunately we won't be talking about you as much. But if you have that B team, we'll definitely be looking into that one. Yeah, hopefully this will be the last time you guys uh, interview us. <laughs> oh, you're always welcome back on the show. <laughs> so, kind of looking. Oops, Jet, you have something was, to add? I was, yeah, I was I was just gonna before we move too far out of specific faction stuff and i realized this might be hard to uh count up just on the fly but i was curious especially with how you talk about the team 
as more or less a, a constant thing, just what your hours into each bout ends up looking like, like, like uh, as far as everything that you do that goes into prep and then the actual games, like what, how, much, how much of your week does that actually equate to? Just a, a rough estimate. Uh, well, the captain in me wants to say not enough, but um, <laughs> no, like everybody on the team really put in the work this cycle. Um, I tried. I tried my best to encourage it as well. Um, one thing I tried this cycle was to be more active with like uh, team discussions. So I was. I decided like, okay, once a week we're gonna do a team voice chat, and if you can make it, you make it. If not, no big deal. But that seemed to have a positive in- impact on um, not only like how we performed, but also with the, uh, the team chemistry aspect of it. Uh, you know, I'm fortunate because I think I, I said this before, but I have a team full of uh, guys who take the initiative. Um, I don't have to really like force anybody to do practice or scrim every week. They 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 do it on their own, um, and for the most part, everybody is available to uh, to help each other out, which is which goes a really long way. Um, as for time frame, uh, you know, it's hard to put a number on it. Uh, I know most most guys on the team are probably doing scrims, uh, you know, a couple days before their match. Um, yeah, everybody's putting in at least a couple hours, right? I mean, yeah. at the very minimum. Um, between team building, talking to the other guys about what they're going to use that week, um, you get the teams to have the, the voice call. We'd all jump on the voice call for the most part. Um, and then, you know, getting down to the actual strategy of your match that week and then the scrims beforehand. So, yeah, I'd say at least a couple hours each. Um, granted, I think sometimes you'd have a tough matchup with people that spend a lot more time prepping. Um, sometimes you spend less time just because of life, etc. Um, but, I mean, there's definitely that, that level of commitment. But once again, you, you want to be on a team where it doesn't feel like a chore, right? Where you're not counting the minutes, you're not counting the hours, where it's, all right, the team call's going on, let's jump on, see what everybody's thinking, and go from there. Yeah, and I mean that's that's the space that my question came from. Is it just sounds like you guys are super involved and super enthusiastic, and so it, on the on the face of it, it can sound like an intimidating amount of uh, actual time. But when you're doing it, like obviously coming back to winning feels good. Like that, this is how you do it. Yeah, and and, and once again, if, if we wanted, uh, you know, if I wanted to give another kind of piece of advice, right, to to new factions that are kind of you know forming, coming up through the ranks. You need to make sure everybody's either on the same page of we're doing this to win or we're doing this to have fun, right? Um, I think that everybody on the Brave Nerds is doing it at the end of the day to win, but we want to have fun while we're doing it. Um, yeah, and absolutely. A conflict between those two things. I think that's when people start having the wrong expectations, whether it's in their teammates or the amount of time spent prepping or anything like that. And I think that that's going to lead to, to to trouble down the road. Yeah, I definitely believe you can't have an attitude where you go three you know, one week and you're like, okay, well, I did my part. Um, it's got to be more than that. Like you have to, like you could go three zero every week, but if you're not helping your teammates out, if you're not, you know, taking part in the discussion or doing scrims, it's still, it's almost like it's not enough. Um, it's got to be like a team effort every week. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I like that. That the that's a very good insight. It's to how you guys are able to be so uh, cohesive, teamworky. <laughs> I don't know the word off the top of my head, but I'm I'm really glad that you're able to give us that insight. Jet, do you have any final questions that you want to add? 
No, I, I mean, this, this has been an awesome interview. This is I, I, I'm really so enjoying this. <laughs> Likewise. So, gonna kind of jump back or kind of go into a little bit of a, a fun, a more fun question for y'all. So, obviously, you've got Surfetched as the the team mascot, but aside from Surfetched, do you guys like have a, a preference in Pokemon or like what's your favorite Pokemon to use when you can use it in like Pokemon Go? pvp style or even in main series games um if you look at my faction card it'll be pretty obvious that shadow drapion um i think i've run it every week um that i've played factions so that's probably my answer right there <laughs> and, and then I, I i'm sort of famous for using charmers um i like to think that i was the first person to use charm a little in nine tails right when i got the 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 weather ball edition but i'm probably not not the first first um, but I, I do like my Charmers, I like my, my Ninetales, I like my Clefable, I like my Wigglytuff, I'll use Togekiss if I have to play Master League. Um, and I always, you know, balance them off with just really bulky Mon, so I think Lickitung is probably my most used um, Pokemon in Great League. Gotcha. So you're the trainer I don't ever want to fight against. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will fast move press you to death. Like, um, even in like the little, the little baby cup or whatever it is that they've got going on right now. Um, I hit 3,500 today using essentially a, a Dupider Shadow Oddish Core, right? So same thing, right? I want that one really bulky one that I can slow down the match with, and I want the one Pokemon that I can just come in, use my shields on, and just use a bunch of fast move pressure. It shouldn't work, but it works, and I'm all for it. <laughs> Golly. Oddly enough, like, I've queued into custom approach a few times in GPL, and I don't think any time he was running Double Charm, which is disappointing it's <laughs> like you see the name you're like oh he's gonna be running double charm but then no well when when you i was gonna say well when you fight him and he doesn't bring it he's just like this isn't even my final form y'all yeah exactly <laughs> well yeah i'm actually looking looking at both your your cards i do see the shadow drapion brought a lot and to be quite frank i thought it was just kind of what well, in Celestial, at least, it was what the meta had dictated. Like, you have to bring Shadow Drapion. Yeah, in a lot of ways, that's true. But, yeah, I brought it before that, too. Yeah, yeah. I had to scroll down a little bit more. No, I mean, a lot of the season in Ultra League, I was running, actually, Swampert, Shadow Drapion, Mandibuzz um, in, in Open Ultra League. And, yeah, I think Shadow Drapion is just such a good, safe swap in the Ultra League. Like, yeah. no matter what the format, that it's always worth bringing around. Especially in... Especially in uh, Sylph, right, where you can have the different move changes with it if you need to as well, with the three different viable charge moves. I'll also add, um, just for a little depth, that the the Drapion that I have for Ultra League is a unicorn. It's a 0-15-15 shadow, so that's rank one. Um, oh. So I'm almost, I'm almost obligated to bring that. Uh, and funny enough, um, in my match against Zayr, Felrose, uh, you know, Rock, Paper, Slark, it was the deciding matchup, and um, he had taken game one, so I was already kind of on the ropes. I needed to win one game to, to secure double promotion. And game two, um, it basically came down to IVs. Like, my Shadow Drapion was able to survive an Aqua Tail, and that got me switch, and that ended up winning me the match. Oh, well, dang. So having the rank one really came in key there. And here I thought PvP IVs didn't matter to a certain extent, but in this case, it really did. They don't matter till they matter. <laughs> they don't matter till they matter, yep. 
Alrighty. But, uh, so, it, I guess just to, to, to say one nice thing, one more nice thing about Shadow Drapion too. I, mine's not nearly as good as Maze. I think I about you know like a one fifteen twelve or something. But um, it, it's just one of those Pokemon that I don't think the Sims ever do it justice. And I, I know when as we were preparing for a lot of our matches in Celestial, it's just kind of like if we just had neutral matches across the board or we had negative matches, it's just kind of like all right, we're gonna bring a safe swap of Shadow Drapion and. Worst case scenario, we're just going to swap to it and see what happens. Um, and that, that leads to more good things than bad things, more often than not. It's always like a plus to have like something you can swap in and you know it's going to be doing neutral damage at worst to, to anything that they can counter with. And Drapian was more often than not is in that position. And, and as we talked earlier, right, I mean, I think it's going to be another very popular non-restricted pick in the, the Ultra League uh, self factions this season. So if you don't if you don't have a Shadow Drapion built, I think it's probably the most expensive Pokemon I've ever built. Um, definitely worth the price of admission. All right. Uh, I witnessed I witnessed no fewer than five games that were also decided by a defense drop off the crunch. So I mean, it's it's definitely got some dual threat there where it can win where it's not supposed to as well. Oh yeah, definitely. All right. Like oh, uh, just a oh. follow up to the Shadow Drapion. I actually learned this about midway through one of my Silk matchups that in the mirror match, you actually want to throw Crunch rather than Aqua Tail. I was corrected mid-battle because um, everybody throws Aqua Tail in the mirror, but it actually turns out Crunch is more efficient DPS-wise, and then there's always the chance for debuff. Yeah, I still don't believe that. I'll still be throwing Aqua Tail, but um, we were, were told that. We were told that. <laughs> <laughs> hard when your brain doesn't like it because it, it yeah because it doesn't feel like it's supposed to work but it does yeah and that's that's the interesting part that's but i'll remember that when i fight shadow drapion for playing in the very beginning of pokemon go pvp just because i played so much of the main series where there would be like throwing an earthquake at a skarmory is, is only single resisted just like uh what <laughs> When, when I first started, I was very upset that I was trying to use a Gengar against the Pidgeot, and I was still doing damage against the Pidgeot, but I don't know how. And then I was like, oh wait, this isn't main series games. Yeah, no immunities. Oh god, could you imagine if there were immunities in this game? That would be anti-fun for sure. Yeah. And, and this is where me not playing the, uh, the actual main series games comes to my advantage, because I don't have to think about these kind of things. Well, lucky you. <laughs> I'm jealous a little bit. Alrighty, so the the next question I got for y'all is, and I know we kind of touched on this, kind of sprinkled a bit through the rest of the the interview was, do y'all have any like constructive criticisms for like Silph Arena factions aside from the like more double jumping part, or is there any other interesting metas you would like to see that comes to mind? Uh, my biggest gripe is there's a lack of transparency. Um, I mean, we're, we kind of just witnessed it recently, like they don't they don't tell us really the timelines for when the cycles begin they you know we only have what like not even two weeks to prep for the upcoming uh upcoming metas like i, I understand that there's a lot of work that goes into it and it's all on a volunteer basis i would just appreciate it if they kept us a little bit more in the loop of like timelines okay and i, I can yeah. agree with you on that one and then along those transparency lines and i've gone on this 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 tangent plenty of times, but I do wish that there was more transparency in the dispute process. Um, personally, I think that disputing is 
the most annoying thing about factions followed by um, scheduling your matches. Um, and, and I think they did a good job the cycle of really cracking down on making sure you were, you know, scheduling your matches early and blah, 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 which I think was a, a big positive. Um, but I, I do just, I, I think disputes slow everything down. I think sometimes the, the, the resolution for the disputes are kind of a gray area that I don't love to, to be in. Um, so I, I do think that just kind of opening up more, more transparency into those disputes and then even with the scheduling, right, if there's a issues with scheduling, I wish they would do just a little bit more to kind of facilitate um, easier, easier scheduling. Um, especially with now that we all have three subs, I don't think that, you know, if you're going into a week and, you, and your opponent says, I can only play you, you know, Sunday between noon and two and, and, and Saturday night or something like, okay, that person probably shouldn't be playing that week. Right. I wish that there was more that Sylph would do to kind of avoid the scenarios. That's fair. Would you all believe oh, that? Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I, I, oh, just, okay. I just need to jump on this one. It, okay. Just because we're we're in open, so my expectations are a little lower, I guess, for scheduling. Uh, and I think I had maybe two of the opponents that were forthcoming with schedules and such. It <laughs> doesn't get easier. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's worse. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and, and this is so they brought me in this this cycle. I think just to be the kind of crafty veteran to sit on the bench. Um, so that was that's my role for this team, right? Um, but like in Emerald, the the goal was to really get your schedule out first, right? So you wanted to be the one, the first person to say, "I can play this time slot, this time slot, this time slot." And in Emerald, I'm assuming based just on anecdotal evidence that there's just much more disputes, right? You're disputing everything. Um, I, I, once again, I dislike that there's really no, there's no penalty for disputing too much, right? There's nothing to stop someone from disputing every game if they think that there's a potential issue. And I do think that something needs to be built in to kind of counteract that. Um, but yeah, scheduling will get worse as you guys move up there. Because was, yeah, to, to, to build on that, because in the lower tiers, you just might have people like flake, but in the upper tiers you can actually see like it's a strategy to like ghost your opponent like if you have a bad matchup you just might not respond to somebody but can get the o2 rather than the o3 um and then like uh custom said like it's almost like an arms race to see who can who can reach out first and like put down the schedule and you know dictate when you play which i've tried to like tell my players like you know now especially now that they're cracking down on like the the um the scheduling issues like you know send that message like as soon as your opponent is revealed like be the first one um because that that does definitely does give you an advantage i was gonna ask a, a follow-up question in regards to that so going on like a little bit of some anecdotal evidence to what custom had said one of our teammates said that if you put your schedule out first they they'll kind of be like the i guess the judges will be like quote unquote more lenient i'm not sure if this is true or not because we've never really had to file a dispute fun fact until like the very last cycle and it was just for jet but <laughs> but like now you're kind of saying is like when you get in the upper tiers it, it kind of becomes a like a bit of a of a strategy and i didn't think that 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 strategy was technically legal until like when you they started cracking down on it and we got pinged for it this last cycle. We were like, oh, hey, it actually says here in the rules that all players before lineup should be revealed or all players should message within 24 hours of who you know you're playing. You typically before lineups are revealed. And that kind of got me thinking like, well, then technically wouldn't that strategy of ghosting be considered an illegal move? 
question mark? Yeah, so, so I mean, it was to a point, right? And, and once again, my, my Emerald experience was before this last cycle when they started cracking down. Uh, we'd have some some horrible weeks where we wouldn't get a hold of our opponents to like Friday night or Saturday morning, right? Which is just not what you want to be doing. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I can remember two different cases. And once again, this is all legal, right? Where I would say, you know, I can play between 10 and one o'clock on a Saturday. And the guy would be like, all right, let's play it. 12:30, and then they would kind of like ghost me and show up at 12:40, right? Mm -hmm. Not late enough that I can sit there and dispute. Not late enough that I can really get too too mad about it. But all of a sudden, like I've made my my plans. I've got you know stuff I need to do, um, and all of a sudden my 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 mental just you know calendar of the day is getting thrown off now, right? So I'm not just thinking about Pokemon Go, but I'm thinking about all right, well I make it to this this party or whatever late, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, mm -hmm. And and, and it is a it's a bad headspace to go into a match with right um so i mean there are a lot of little things that that definitely happen in, in emerald i mean you made the comment that you guys had one dispute all season um in emerald we had at least one dispute every match dang um if not multiple so i mean it, it is a it's a different ball game as you you make your way make from the from the bottom to the top i think right. on that i'm very I'm, I'm very fortunate to have like customs experience playing an emerald because um you know for me that would have been like a growing pain like i wouldn't have been really aware that they were doing that up in the upper tiers so this cycle i started to, to really crack down on on opposing teams when they wouldn't show up uh, to schedule battle times uh, i got to the point where they were 15 minutes late i would dispute which i know goes against probably what silk wants but at the same time, my guys aren't on a, uh, they're not on the other player's schedule. You know, you agree mm -hmm. to a time, you need to show up at that time. Well, that's like the, the college timing, right? It's like your professor doesn't show up for 15, you're free. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Unfortunately, it, it, no. when it comes to that, we never got, we never got rid of but at least yeah. there was a paper trail. No, and I was going to say, just like another one of my, my, my tips for other factions, right? I was, I probably said it, I don't know, 97 times this cycle. I mean, it's just probably sick of me saying it, but it's just like, you're not, you're not on call to be playing, right? Don't let your opponent tell you, I'll be able to play you sometime Saturday afternoon. Like, don't do that. You're, you have a life. Your life is not Pokemon Go factions, right? Agree on a time. And if that time doesn't work out because of your opponent not showing up, that's, that's not on you, and then don't try to accommodate your opponent because they no-show on. Mm -hmm. And I was going to add something to that, but in classic taco fashion, I forgot. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember. Rule to live by, though. Yeah. I was, I was actually going to say, in the rules, it doesn't. it just says a reasonable amount of time, and that leaves it very open to interpretation of what your opponent's definition of reasonable is and what your definition of reasonable kind of coincide they could be very different and then the judge if you go take the dispute to the, like say the arena team they might have a different reasoning so i think maybe if self kind of changes their rules a little bit to say like hey if you're like what jet said college rules if you're 15 minutes late then unfortunately you'll it will have to be disputed and there's at least a paper trail like it was originally talked about the i guess the question kind of then becomes like how do penalties get kind of uh how do penalties get handed out for someone that's say consistently late to their to their matchups when they're supposed to play and how do you if points are to be awarded how do you award them do is it a two one 
is it a two zero type of thing right yeah. I mean, it's not easy right and, and and it's one of those things where it's easy to to criticize how they currently are doing it it's harder to come with a, a good solution to it right um but I, I do think that this is a really good example to your point where there's a lot being left to interpretation and and i do think that sylph would be doing themselves a favor and i think they'd be doing the factions a favor if they you know tightened those rules right whether the rule is by you know friday at five o'clock the captains have exchanged times that their players are, are playing or something like that right if they added this like one official-ish step to the matchmaking process that would probably go a long way to actually saying all right these two people they've agreed they're going to play saturday at five o'clock um and that way everyone at least is on the same the same page of knowing when, when the matches are supposed to happen you know while you were saying that a thought kind of popped into my head what if say sylph put something in their website because i'll be honest with y'all sylph does a better job facilitating pokemon go pvp than niantic does and i will stand by that till the day i die for all of sylph's <laughs> like shortcomings agreed but agreed. yeah <laughs> but what if self were to place like when a bout gets revealed and your opponent gets and your opponent gets revealed you put these time like you get up to five time slots and you get to lock in okay from say like friday from 7 to t- 11 i'm free to fight and then like saturday sunday and just kind of like make a time slot and then while you're doing that your opponent also gets to like make it and then the computer kind of compares the two and says, all right, well, based on this, your time, your match is supposed to happen between this time and this time on this day. Please make arrangements. And if nothing can be done, or sorry, before that, they, they send it back to the players. And the player is like, all right, it's saying that your opponent can fight on this time. Will this be good for you? You hit yes. Your opponent hits yes. And then your time is scheduled. And then if it's not done within, say, like an hour of that time, the bot will email someone from Sylph saying, this match never happened you we or it will let the captains know this match hasn't happened check up on it please to say like what's going on i think that would no. just be a little bit more proactive <laughs> I, i've had the exact same conversation um with with my fiance slash wife whatever we want to call her these days um and yes. and I mean, she, she's come up with this exact same idea right i mean there, there's different programs that'll do this for you automatically and it makes sense right i mean it does make sense especially when you start looking at these different field metas and you say all right you could actually not put someone in, in ember slot one and ember slot two you could actually say these are my two people playing ember and then so could theoretically right figure out the, the correct matchups to make the time slots align right Right. Um, is that extra coding? Yes. Is that difficult-ish? Right. You'd, you'd like to think that we're all doing factions to, to have you know some amount of fun, um, and that the captains should be able to take care of these things. So it's probably not completely necessary, but I definitely agree that that would that would be. Gotcha, gotcha. And let's see here. I was actually going to. I was actually that was probably going to be my only constructive criticism I have for self. Other than that. They do a very fantastic. They do a fantastic job doing what these volunteers do. Agreed. I, you know, if I have one other s- s- criticism, I think it's a small criticism. I think that the field metas get bland by the end of the cycles, um, mm. especially the way that I think most factions do it. Right, and this is how we do it essentially. Right, you get the new field metas, and then we all kind of choose one or two metas that we're going to focus on for the entire season. Right, 
Um, and I think just about everyone does something like that. You can't really afford to build the Pokemon for every meta. Um, I would love to either see one meta slot be rotating all season, where they'd actually come out and say, this is the nine-week plan for nine different metas throughout the year, so that there's at least a little bit of um, rotation throughout the cycle, um, where it's just not the same status quo every week. I think that would be really fun and really cool and kind of keep you on your toes. Um, I'd also kind of maybe like to see where they would say something, and I'm making up numbers here, um, you know, where no member of the faction can play the same field meta, we'll say more than five times a cycle. Um, to oh, kind right. of force your subs, right? To force maybe, I mean, your meta special, your field specialist could just kind of like swap metas if they wanted to, swap in with their, their the great league specialist as well. Um, but I mean, we've got 10 members. I really do think the strength of factions is the team aspect of it. I wouldn't hate it if they actually forced you to, to force you to do some more rotations throughout this. Okay, I that's actually a very good idea. I would probably hate it because I'm very dust poor. I'm sitting at a million stardust, but I have a lot of PvP mods built. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 dust poor. I've got about 200k right now. Um, oh. But but yeah, um, but I mean, you could always. I, I think that most people doing factions can play open Great League, probably, right? Um, I think most teams have at least a handful of people that could play Ultra League once a cycle if they needed to. Um, and same thing with these field metas, right? I mean, do, will I have everyone built for Ember? No. Will I have everyone built for whatever the other new one is? No. Um, but if I needed to fill in for a week, could I field a team? Sure, right? I think it would make it interesting, right? I think it would add an extra variety and flavor and a little bit more strategy throughout the cycle. I guess I guess my initial <laughs> response, just, just to customs comments, is that especially this last cycle, the field metas felt a little too solvable, where they might have gone too restrictive, so there were just a few too. There were a few too few things that worked really well, and it was hard to move away from those. And I felt like that with both of the most of the field metas, and it did it with Celestial too, right? I think, yeah, I think that it, you by by week three or week four, you have a central like ten to twelve Pokemon that are getting used just over and over. Um, I didn't play either of the Great League metas this time around, so I don't have a good feel with how they actually were playing out. But they usually feel pretty. RPS by the end of the cycle as well because people have figured them out just completely by the end. Even like I think even if they were to like maybe do a mid-season, well they're going to do a mid-season break this cycle, but if they were to introduce new metas after that I think that would be, even be a good way to to freshen things up a little bit. Yeah, but I, I, I mean the, the one easy thing I always go to is I do wish that one of the field slots was a rotating field slot and you know at the beginning of the cycle they said for the next nine weeks these are the nine different um, rotating field metas and that way the teams could actually look at them break it down and that would actually force that rotation of the team because one person would not be able to constantly do the rotating field meta it would be really who's the best person on the faction to, to take that spot every week and then making the necessary adjustments around it i think that would be really cool and i think it'd be a really like easy thing to do gotcha all right it, it does obviously come in a little harsh against teams that only have seven members but i, I like the idea of it of needing to actually have a little bit more flexibility to your lineup week to week. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It would, it would make it so you definitely would not want seven people because um, you would definitely be at a disadvantage to that point. But I think you're at a disadvantage as it is today. Um, but yeah, I mean, just something to add flavor throughout the season because I do think the metas, by the time you get to week nine, it's just, you, you've seen it all. That's fair. That's a very fair point. Well, so I guess the last thing is, I know that people are going to be listening to the episode today. 
how can they reach how can they reach uh, or talk to you guys uh say on the socials or do you guys have like a discord y'all want to want to plug uh yeah we do um you can find us on twitter uh brave nerds pvp um we're fairly active on on twitter um and if you go on to our account uh the the pinned uh tweet will be a link to our discord the nerd nest um it's open to the public you get to know members of the team uh we're gonna have some recruitment down the road because like i mentioned earlier i'm gonna be hopefully trying to get a b team started uh we're going to likely be hosting uh tournaments with cash prizes eventually um and it's just a really nice place to kind of chill and you know talk about factions and get some scrims in um yeah, I definitely recommend. But no, I mean, we, we opened up this new Discord server. I say we go maybe two weeks ago. Um, I think they've already got up. to, I think we're maybe around eighty people right now. Um, a lot of good battlers in there. A lot of good conversation in there. And um, definitely, if, if you're looking to, you know, get more involved, maybe get into our B team, or if you just want to have more of those that faction uh, dialogue and, and you talk to some of these these big GBLers, it's a, it's a good place to, to meet people and keep expanding your Pokemon Hour. Did I cut out again? No, uh, a little bit, yeah. Okay. We finished yeah. before, but don't worry, Maze. Check us out <laughs> on Twitter. Go to our Discord. It's on The link's on the Twitter. Uh, we'd love to have anybody in there. All right. And then, do you guys have any final thoughts towards newer people who are still listening or are still kind of like on the fence about jumping into Sylph Actions for the first time? Uh, I would say I, I recommend it 100%. Um, honestly, like, Factions is probably the thing that's keeping me in the game. Um, it's just, it's just a blast playing with friends and, you know, being a part of a team and being part of that effort. Um, I would say if you're looking for a team right now, try to find one that lets you have fun, but at the same time you want to like push yourself to be the best you can. Because I, I think custom hit on it. Um, losing isn't fun. Uh, you can you can play on a team where it's laid back and and you're having fun at first, but if you start losing bout after bout, it's gonna really start to to kill the experience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would definitely recommend Factions. I'm the same way. I probably would have stopped with this game a year ago if it wasn't for Factions. Um, find a good team, and, you know, if you're not going to jump into Factions right away, keep doing GBL. I, people, I think, will will debate whether or not Sylph has more skill or GBL has more skill, but, you know, if you can figure out the PvP mechanics, if you can keep making Legend over and over again, um, you definitely have enough skill to, to, to transfer from, from GBL to Sylph if and when you want to make that jump. Um, so definitely just keep keep getting into these discords, talk to these other battlers, um, you know, learn their all there is to know, and you'll you'll be having fun in it. Well, all right. <laughs> um, so like I said before, I want to thank you guys so much for coming onto the podcast and kind of giving us a, another team's insight as to what's it what it takes to kind of start a faction, grow and kind of grow it into essentially what I'm going to call the power, like a, a PvP powerhouse team. And I'll probably die on that hill. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having us on here. It was it was it was fun to talk to you guys. Um, yeah, I'll be definitely definitely be following uh, your new team as you make your debut. Thank you, yeah, thank, thank you, thank you for having us, guys. Awesome. Well, guys, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back after these messages. Music breaks. 
for the Dragonair 10 has been brought to you by the wonderfully talented video game artist Lizane. You can find their entire music library on Spotify and on YouTube in the description below. Hello Dragon Tamers! Enter the Dragonair's Den has been made possible by Anchor. Anchor is an all-in-one platform that allows you to create, edit, and post your podcasts. The best part? It's completely free! Did I mention it also allows you to distribute your podcast to Apple, Google, Spotify, and many more? To learn more, go to anchor.fm to sign up. I can't wait to give your new podcast a listen. Welcome back from those wonderfully amazing commercials. I hope you all enjoyed them because I know I did. What I mean, what is a commercial? Good question. It's something that people hated, but then they love, and now they hate, and now they love. You know, it's a love-hate relationship. So... It is now time to plug our Patreon. Of course, we do have a Patreon here. It is, you can support the show for as little as $1. And when you support the show, you get access to special parts of our Discord that will be linked down in the description below, as well as get a certain spot where you can kind of hang out when we're recording these episodes and kind of answering questions on the fly and, you know, get to meet us, get to meet, meet us, get to talk with us a little bit more. On that note, if you are unable, I mean, if you are like meeting on the internet, right? Yeah, that's how that's how you meet strangers <laughs> without the danger. Yeah, because we're all Pokemon Go players here. We're gonna be safe. But I lost my train of thought for a second. Now I remember. But if you are unable to support the episode, unable to support the show for whatever reason, we do have we do all we ask is that you give us a review on wherever you listen to your podcasts: Google, Spotify, Apple, so on and so forth, or. Just engage with us in the community question. Speaking of which... Speaking of which, last week... <laughs> <laughs> what was it? We're, yeah, we're episode 9 now. So, speaking of which, our community question last week that... It definitely exists. It does. Here it is. So, we asked you, after listening for the cycle, what is your opinion on self-factions? E. Sanchez0411 on Spotify says, Why 9 weeks for the cycle? I'm not opposed to it. And it could be longer to 12 weeks. Also, Taco, instead of saying a wart follows you every time, you could have said, I'm not responding with that one. You can just look at it on Spotify, but uh, Pokerus. We'll go with Pokerus. <laughs> so I'm not too thrilled about the 12-week cycle. I see where they're coming from. <laughs> I, I think it'll be hard to get people on board with a longer cycle. <laughs> it, it will definitely, especially after the... The talking amongst like the talking amongst the the nine week commitment, obviously round robin style. You know, quite frankly, I would think that you had a five like a five week cycle and just everybody's divvied up into five teams, and then the top two and then the top and you fight for five weeks, and then the top two teams from each group fought it out in a in a double elimination style tournament. But that's just me. For for the fifth week of of the five week version. Yeah. Or it's like five teams of five teams of five. Everybody plays for four weeks, and then the the late the other like weeks five through I would say nine, they have a tournament style. I mean, the problem there is the odd number of teams, but well, I instead guess, of I guess just to, to maybe touch on a plus for the twelve week cycle is we're in a little bit of a unique situation going into cycle three where you could actually sync up the cycle with the in-game season and then those things would start to look much more similar time-wise that's right you can't oh yeah because we're taking two weeks off for the winter break where there's like 15 holidays between december 20th and january the 6th 
They really like to pack it in there. <laughs> well, this week's community question is going to be a very simple one. And this is actually coming from our fellow our fellow faction, not faction teammates, our fellow interviewee, interviewees that we just interviewed. What move updates are you hoping to see next season? Another fast move, buff to some fast move, nerf to a fast move, charge move, etc., etc. Let us know. You can, I'll say, you can respond to that question in our Discord section or on Twitter. By the way, I'm the only one with a Twitter. You can at me at tacodog underscore eight. Jet, of course, still does not have a Twitter, and that's okay. I will take all the questions and feed it to Jet, and then he'll respond. <laughs> we can we can use our collective knowledge to answer them. It's, let's be honest here. It's mainly your knowledge. I'm just piggybacking off of it. We're, I mean, Taco, you're, you're allowed to look good. It's, it's fine. Okay. A broken like, remember, a broken clock is is right twice a day. So. <laughs> and and I think you're you're worth more than a broken clock. So. Two broken clocks. <laughs> I mean, as long as they're set to different times, then we're going places. You know what? We'll go with that one. I'm right four times a day. <laughs> so. On that note, it is now time for the salsa bar, where did, Taco. Did, 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 did you not want to answer the question at all? No, of course not. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so I've already said it numerous times, but I'll say it again. Add muddy water to Kingdra. <laughs> that was that was a big one for us. Yep. <laughs> there, that's I my do, answer. I, still, I, I want to see more of the signature moves coming out and i want to see better distribution for some of the newer better moves that have come out um or even just the ones that they've buffed where it can take a pokemon from relative obscurity to being part of the conversation kind of like what happened to nido queen where it, it doesn't take a lot like obviously we heard the, the luxury conversation and i think there's a lot of pokemon in that boat where it's fairly easy to identify why they're not a consistent pick yet and kind of the niche that they're holding and how they can make that step up onto the main stage and really make an impact and while the light touch has been nice. I, I, I like also just any move to add more names to the conversation is going to be healthy for us. That's fair. And actually, I was when you were saying that, another thought that popped in my head: What if they make Iron Tail a Dragon Tail clone? And, and then that is that is definitely a type that needs help, right? Like either, the only... either you have Bullet Punch, or you're not you're not in a good spot to do Steel Fast damage. I was actually going to say, I think the only meta or viable fast move for steel types is bullet punch. And the and, only Pokemon... Even, even then, it's, it's like, barely. <laughs> like, it's, it's not because it's a great move, it's just because it's good enough, right? Right. And so that's why I'm kind of looking at it like, well, I mean, it's there, but do we want to make Metagross more broken, or do we want to have a Pokemon like, say, Agron be a, a better fairy killer than normal than like say a different fairy killer like metagross i mean i guess i guess the easiest one just based on your example of making it a dragon tail clone to think of is like a steelix too where 
you're, you're very much shoehorned into Dragon Tail unless you're running Thunderfang just for shock value. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's and a I, bad and Iron, Iron Tail, yeah, Iron Tail makes you actually useful as a steel type, right? Like, otherwise it's like, okay, so you've got Heavy Slam, and that has to take a slot away from Crunch or Earthquake as your secondary, like, it, assuming you're keeping Psychic Fangs just as your very fastest charge move. Right. It's like, the other coverage moves are so much better. Or say, what if we make Metal Claw a Shadow Claw clone? I mean, that, oh, that would be night and day. That would immediately <laughs> make so many things that are just not even mentionable suddenly have oh, right. oh man such a force <laughs> i want to see it now now that is that is like number one for me is actually yeah now well like we had said before if you want to respond to this week's community question what move updates are you hoping to see next season throw them on in to spotify the little question down there as well as at me on twitter or tag us in the discord with your answer so now <laughs> now it's time for the salsa bar where we make fun of where we make fun of Taco for his escapades in all things, say PvP, Pokemon Go, or even in main series games. <laughs> or bike related. Yeah, or bike related, yes. Alrighty, so nothing nothing bad happened bike related today. Or this week. That, that's a good day. It is. But okay, so I was playing Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, right? But for those for those wondering at home, I got Pokemon Scarlet. My wife has Pokemon Violet. Okay, and so we did a raid battle together. It was a four star, which and I I essentially had beaten the game with the exception of finishing the finishing what happens after you finish all three of the stories. I'm not going to spoil it here. Post, but I've yeah, almost the post game. It's not quite post game, but it's there. It's weird. I know. End end game. <laughs> yeah, I'm at the end game. And I I did a four-star raid with my wife, and it was a level 45 Crocorock that terra-types into a Steel-type. And so she uses it, and she didn't know about the, if you catch a Pokemon over a certain level, it won't obey you. She's got no badges to this, to the time, at the time of recording, right? And so I told her, you should really use this, it's really good. And she spent like three hours using it before she gave up because it wasn't listening to her. And then... I felt really bad afterwards, so I told her, and then I had to sleep in the doghouse, which was well-deserved. I was well-deserved, but it was pretty I, funny for me. I, I do appreciate the change to that mechanic where I, I don't know how recently this still applies, but at least there was a time when even if you had caught a lower-level Pokemon and then trained it up, like, if you trained it up too much, it wouldn't listen to you occasionally, and that that is totally gone now is nice. I didn't know that. I guess I never got the, raised my Pokemon that high because I always took on the gyms so underleveled. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty niche. Like, it was usually traded Pokemon because they were coming in mm. way higher. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So, that's the salsa bar. You know, Taco chicanery ended up, landed him in the doghouse. So, But it's okay. It was very funny. What is what is your thought on the the terror battle so far? I think the biggest one I've done is like a three star, and I did that just as a online lobby, and so it was, it was dead pretty instantly. <laughs> four stars 
are definitely my hardest ones right now. And I've already made this mistake where I forget what the terror type is, and I'll go in thinking it's mm. the original type, and I'll just screw it up completely. My, my contribution to the salsa bar is, I don't, like, I hope it's just me being dumb, but the dens for the psychic on the map, they read to me as normal type, where I'm just like, okay, it's a normal terror type, and I get in there and it's got the eyeball, I'm like, okay, clearly it's psychic, but... Uh, there's, there's some miscommunication happening between the map and the den. Okay, I will say it's a little that you might be a little dumb, but it's also I did do the same thing. And so what I've started doing is I just go in with a Pokemon that has a whole bunch of coverage moves. And I'll just spam that one coverage move over and over and over. And that's, that's, that's kind of what I did anyway, but... I feel like the short-term solution, at least for me, is to go by the color of the crystal rather than the icon on the map, just because I feel like because it doesn't actually tell you, even if you're hovering over it, what the type is, I don't think, that it's, it's probably just better to learn the color of the crystal than go by that, since that's going to be right in front of me every time. Yeah, now I just have to learn what the crystals are and like what colors correspond to what types because water type and dragon type looks very similar but at, at that point like you're also able to decipher based on the map right like I'm, I'm just saying to have more tools than just looking at the icon that i keep getting wrong <laughs> or it just tells you what what the type is i thought that was in early versions of the game uh, yeah, or like, and it might do that, but it might also be locked to a certain zoom level, which seems to be a thing on the map. Yeah, I forget you can zoom in on the map sometimes. Anyways, <laughs> I did. I did learn very early on that you can lock the map to always be oriented with north pointing up, which changed my life after the first few hours. Where whenever you open it, it's just like whatever way you're facing. Mm -hmm. Which is, like, if, if you're good at maps, like, that is not the way a map should default. <laughs> See, I'm bad at maps, so I'm okay with that. Right, and, and like, obviously, I just, I probably have to go into settings or something and find where I can just, like, set that head. I mean, I think it has saved it since I set it, so it's it could just be linked to the map itself, but... Man, that was, that was a little rough. Like, uh, and but I, I do get it as far as just this is the way that you're looking, and so the things that are ahead of you are it, the direction that north would normally be. And or you I spin I, the map around. I still remember when you had asked me, "Do you want a Dino?" That I think it was a a, a psychic type. And I was like, cool, well, yeah. That was that was one of them. And I was like, I think it's normal type. <laughs> and I was like, Jet, the hat is telling me it's a normal type. I brought the wrong mon. He goes, darn it. And you're like, darn it. <laughs> no, no, that was, that was exactly what I was referring to, where I thought it was a normal type going in. And you oh. probably used Lucario. And then it was clearly a psychic type. And I was like, well, okay. This is fine. <laughs> it's okay. But... I mean, it, it died very quickly, so it's whatever. We still won. I'm happy for that. Yeah. And then, like, right afterwards, I got myself an Art an Artibat, an Arctic Bax that was a Katera type into a Steel type. And so, 
Dragon types couldn't touch me, but I was very weak to everything else. But I, enough. I, mean, I, I, I still need help. I'm going to try to build a, a snow team for the ice types because of the new mechanic that's in. Oh, I guess I guess that is the the one last thing I can ask you about is just like what your team is looking like so far. So I couldn't, despite my best efforts, I couldn't shake off Lucario. And real quick, this is your spoiler warning now if you have not gotten the game and don't want to be spoiled with the new names, but I will just say what the names are. I'm not good. If you want to search it up, that's on you. So my team, my final team consists of Lucario, a a rock, the rock salt Pokemon that I've nicknamed rock salt, but in Spanish, but I know it's like, <laughs> it's Gargacle or I mean, I see NACL and I'm like, that's salt. So it's like guard, Gargasalt. Yeah. Garganackle. And I was like, that, I just call you big rock salt. <laughs> And then, of course, I've got my, my Fue Coco starter, because, yeah. And then I have Dashbon, that has no fire weaknesses because of its special ability. And then I got my, my Arctabax. It's a very unbalanced team, I know. And then, last but not least, <laughs> last but not least, Gyarados. Nice. I, I didn't realize it until just now, but the team, the team I've got going is really just kind of a bunch of all-stars that I wish I could have used before together that have never been this easy to catch or been available as early as they are. So it was just kind of that wish fulfillment of all the prior generations of, I have like three Pokemon that are all kind of uh, Sandstorm based. Oh. And then, and then I have three dragons. <laughs> Like this, this will be fine. I tried very hard not to use dragons, but after catching the Dratini, Dragonair, Dra like all my favorite dragon Pokemon, I'm like, you know what? I think we're gonna use you. And and the Dratini line is the one that I left out, where I was like, out of <laughs> out of everything, I've definitely used this one most. But like especially just starting with Gen One and everything. Like, yeah, obviously, obviously the Terra type, and I caught a cool Dragonair with uh, Electric Terra type, just a wild one which was neat, but it's just, it was also too high a level where I was like, well, I'm not tempted because it's not going to listen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found like the little spring where Dratini spawn and stuff like that is still really cool and fun to engage with. But I got to pick up a bunch of the stuff like in sword, you couldn't get Sprout and in Scarlet, you can. And so that, that, that got on my team. Hey. Well, have you gotten to the end game yet? I have not. I <laughs> I've definitely been taking my sweet time, kind of dabbling in a little bit of everything and doing a bunch of catching, and then kind of doing some catch up badges and catch up team star star team stuff and titans or whatever, where I just kind of have been enjoying the adventure aspect of it where right. obviously it helps to do the titans and be able to move around but the uh getting getting kind of called back especially i think we talked about this early on when i found myself in an area that was just too tough 
I was like, eh, I should probably go do a different story thing now because like this is just like a survival game suddenly. <laughs> Why do I hear boss music? <laughs> yeah. I'm about to get crushed by a gold duck. That was that's so sad, but I love it at the same time. Like it oh has my Cloud goodness. Nine and Hydro Pump, oh god. I'm gonna I'm in danger. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, uh, my friendship values are falling with all of you. It's <laughs> alright, I, I, I give my Pokemon the bitter roots when I run out of potions. They're just so much cheaper. They really are. But anyway, uh, that's enough of that's enough of that. <laughs> yep. It's, we gotta, it's GB, GBL time. GBL time. I'll make it very easy for you for me. I didn't I haven't played at touched it at all. Well, you said something about having lost a few points. Yeah, I crashed hard uh, when Element Cup came up, and so yeah. now I'm I'm down into the low, the low two thousands. It was, I mean, and like I I really like the idea of the remix cups, especially when you take out things like Ducklet and Cottony that have just dominated, and then they throw. Uh, slanted in there that was like one of the one of the things that you needed to kind of manipulate the game to get and I, I really like that they're thinking of that and having it included as something to remove even though obviously the usage wasn't going to be super high um, right but you've, you've also still then created another meta that's <laughs> super imbalanced so, like if you don't have a dewbiter like the helmet cup this time is really tough yeah, I didn't think that the best <laughs> the best way to do it was just to ban the top 10 Pokemon. Well, and, and like that's that's how like the Great League remix was, and I think they feel like they can't ban as many things for Little Cup or anything that's a little bit more niche just because you're you're already in general not going to be maybe investing there as much. <laughs> So That's you fair. want your investment to be useful multiple times, <laughs> and and so far, Ducklet and Cottony have fulfilled that role, and Shinchao, I guess, is the other one I missed. But that's fair. Well, all right then. Like a little, a little bit more awareness as to what that actually does to the meta would would have been nice. That's all right. Just leave leave the the meta making to self. They they have their they have a better tire thingy. It's it's just a different beast, I guess. And there's there's always going to be. The, the whale aspect to GPL, I think, and, and coming up with ways to compete, even if if you're not in the position of having them be like having the picks in that certain range, just because it's again outside the normal metas or whatever it is. Just like creative creative solutions are, are fun when you have enough room to breathe. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? So did did you find anything that worked at all? No. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> well, the like Volpix and Seal are, I guess, the past two kind of safe swabby picks that are still a thing. Like, if you have those available, I do have the Volpix. And that that's a benef beneficiary of the the quick attack buff, where it was already pretty good as it was, and now it's just even better. Well, all right then. How's the how's your GBL progress on that note going? I mean, I, w I was in a little bit of a similar boat where I kind of had my 
uh, delayed birthday stuff come up, and so I didn't play a whole lot, and then combine that with the, the new game coming out. It was just like, well, I made Legend, and then there was also all of the kind of disgustingly bad bugs that were cropping up in GBL with the full app crashes and stuff that were not making it super appealing even with the bonus dust where I was like yeah when I'm when I'm playing a set here or there I'm still going positive which is nice for the team that I built especially since it was fairly cheap like I don't feel a ton of uh, obligation to play like just to make up that dust mm -hmm. but Still, still doing well when I do play. I think I just got over like 3,100 or something like that. Gotcha. Hey, when you're climbing those ranks, you'll make the leaderboard in no time. <laughs> yeah, if, if I play. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could be like our, our factions teammate that went that started super late and got to legend in a month. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of pressure there too, right? I know. <laughs> but that's okay. So... You gotta, you gotta time it right. Yeah, I have faith in you, bud. We're having fun regardless. Obviously. So, Dragon Tamers, that is going to be an episode. I am really glad that we had two other... Oh, I'm gonna call them All-Stars, because they were amazing. Come on and kind of give their experience on that. And we hope that, you know, it's not just Jet and myself saying, join a faction, go from there. You know, we've had some. We had uh, another very unique experience, and a teammate that they came from from higher tiers to kind of do their own thing. So, I hope this episode has kind of inspired some of you all to want to to either join a faction. We're still recruiting, by the way, or create your own. <laughs> yeah, as, of, as of this second, <laughs> as of this recording, we are still we are still recruiting for. For a for a, a member of the the team, however, if by the time the team the episode goes out and we're not recording, we can definitely point you in the right direction. Yeah, we we, we know some good people, and that's pretty much what we like. That's pretty much what everyone here in the Pokemon Go community likes to do. We we like to build each other up, because when one person when when everyone's happy, we're all succeeding no matter what. I think I think my favorite takeaway just from the recruiting style for both of our guests was that if if someone beats you it's someone you want on your team <laughs> well but with that logic i should have half the half the planet on our team then like there's there's some fish in that sea <laughs> yes but anyway that's gonna do it for this week's episode once again i hope you had a, a wonderful amazing experience and until next time, keep your dragon fangs sharp, stay away from those fairies, and we will see you all in our next episode. Thanks for joining us for our very first interview.